Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Today uh, is going to look a little different, in case you hadn't figured that out. Um, we have stools up here, and Val just moved on in, you know, just didn't, didn't leave the stage this time. Actually, I invited her to be up here with us this morning, or with me, I guess. Um, and Do you want some water? I have some. You have some? Awesome. Cool. I'll keep that one then. Am I on? Um, Am I on? Am I good? Sorry. Check. Mic check. There we go. Um, uh, today, there's something that's missing. Does anybody know what's missing? Anybody notice? Yes, Cindy, nice job. What, Caden? I see that hand. What's missing? Yes, that, that's true. There is not, the, today is Family Sunday, which means there is no children's church, and so uh, K through 6th grade is with us uh, today. So I want to say welcome to you. There's also a clipboard back there for you. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> Um, so, and we have a, a little kids activity that we're going to get to in just a little bit. So thank you for, for letting me, for, I should have said something about that, but that's true. Cindy pointed up right over here. We're, we're missing the banner today. I don't know if you recognize that or noticed that. There's a little splash of color that's missing. Um, because today we are launching our new, our new theme or our new emphasis, our new focus for the coming year of 2022. Um, and so uh, last year when we did this, I think I introduced it, and then you had a sermon, and then Debbie did a sermon. Uh, today, we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about it, and uh, hopefully uh, it's meaningful for you. Um, this is something I don't think I've ever tried before, so, but it was my idea, so if it goes completely wrong, you can, you can blame me. I'll, I'll own that part of it, okay? Um, but the theme is really taken from the, the passage that, that Tom read earlier today um, in Mark chapter 10. Um, to give you a little context, um, <laughs> this comes from Mark chapter 10, verse 35, if you want to turn there. We're going we're gonna to go to another text here in just a little bit. But it comes from two of the disciples. Two of the disciples, James and John, make this request. And what did they request? I, we really like to sit on your right and your left, okay? And, and in case this doesn't register, this is like uh, we kind of want the places of privilege. We kinda, we, we'd really like to be sitting really close to you when you come into your kingdom. Now, the kingdom that they had envisioned was one of human power, one of control, one of autonomy for the Israelite nation. And so they wanted the places of, of privilege and power. And he said, when, when, we come, when we get to that point, Jesus, we're not rushing you. Take your time. We're in no rush. But we, 
We, you know, it's like busting out the front door and calling shotgun, right? Do you have teenagers that did that or do that currently? Sometimes, maybe, I don't know. They wanted the places of privilege. And at the, at the end of this passage, in verse 42, Jesus kind of calls the disciples together. I think he was kind of, he's like, okay, team, come on in, huddle up, time out. We're going to take a full time out. I've been watching basketball lately. Um, <laughs> we're going to take a time out here. Come together. This is what he says. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. That's kind of necessary, right? I mean, we're an Air Force town, right? I mean, it's important to have, to know who's in charge and to, and to take orders when, when they're given and to, and to follow instructions. But what does Jesus say? He says these four words. This is taken from the NIV. Not so with you. Not so with you. Having authority and having position is important, but it's not, not to lord it over them. It's not to say, look how big and powerful I am. And Jesus says, that's not how we work. That's not how we do life together. He says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man come, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and I want to tell you that as I look through Scripture, I see this theme pop out. That's our theme for this coming year. Not so with you. Not so with you. That, that the Bible calls the people of God to this whole new way of living. This, that, that we don't have to follow the patterns of the world. That we don't have to live the way others do. Not, not in, uh, uh, we don't need to be the protesters. We don't need to stomp our feet and say, I'm not going to do, do that. But to live as God has invited us to live. As the redemptive agents of the, as the people of God in this world. And so this whole year, we're gonna, as we look to the Bible, we're going to be looking for this thread that's kind of woven all the way through Scripture that God says, not so with you. You don't have to live this way. That the people of God live differently. Um, and as we kind of come out of becoming new and, and the whole transformation that we talked about, this is, this is the outgrowth. This is, this is how it plays out in our lives that, that Christ says to us, not so with you. So what I invited Val to do is kind of share her thoughts with that theme. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks at least, maybe a month or two, um, about this theme of this coming year. And so as thoughts have kind of percolated in, in Val's head, I wanted her to share. And I might just interrupt with some questions along the way, if that's okay. That's all right. All right. I'm used to it. Well, yeah. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, uh, thanks for letting us both be up here and to, to share some of our thoughts. Uh, when the staff was kind of talking through this theme and, and Trent asked Debbie and I, or he was kind of explaining his heart for this theme and uh, he didn't choose it without our input because, you know, our opinion is important. It is. You need yeah. us. Yeah. Um, but we, we were talking about it and then as we were sharing vision and stuff, uh, Trent said, I want you guys to, to think of a passage kind of like last year and, and preach on it um, or talk about it. And there was one passage that came to mind almost instantly. Um, and I'm going to read that in a moment. I'm going to leave you on the edge of your seat. Um, but I wanted to say uh, first a few things about the theme, not so with you. First, 
I'm not a huge fan of calling it a theme necessarily, so much as a, a focus or an emphasis, and I think you mentioned that. Theme feels too much like a party, right? When you plan a party, there's a theme. Um, and, it, and it feels church a little- Church isn't a party theme? <laughs> church is a party, church can be a party, I guess. It is a party. At least in youth group it is. You should come hang out with us sometime. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it feels, it feels a little bit temporary, I guess. And, and I mean, we, we talk about these things and yeah. they're not temporary, right? Uh, scripture isn't temporary, uh, but calls us to live into different ways and uh, do different things throughout all of our lives, not just for a year. We may be only talking about this emphasis and focusing on it for a year, but it should sit with us forever, you know? For the rest of our lives. Um, and, and, and just just to interrupt, this is earlier than I was supposed to interrupt. So, <laughs> um, but but I, I I would love to hear any reflections that you have of how becoming new did that for people. You know, throughout the year, we've talked about it in staff. You know, but hopefully, becoming new was part of this just kind of this growth process that we had in this in this previous year. And I hope that this. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Wait, are we having open mic time? Like, are you inviting them? Up not here? not right now. <laughs> I, uh, later. Later. Um, I love this emphasis of, of not so with you because it does follow so well the focus we had last year of becoming new. Um, and it, it does more than, than that. It, it does more than just follow, but it, it builds on it, right? Um, which makes sense because the, the little tagline on the banner, if you remember last year, was laying the foundation for transformation. Uh, when a foundation is laid and ready to go, what's the next step? You build. You build the house. You build something. Um, and that's what I'm excited for with this new focus is, uh, is building on top of that. Becoming new means living our lives as followers of Jesus in unique and creative ways. Um, and that's Jesus's point when he tells the disciples, not so with you. And those words are for all of us, not just those 12 disciples. You see, sin is going to tell us to do or not to do something. Jesus gifts us with clear and direct sometimes indirect, examples of shaping our lives in different ways than the world's. Um, if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to finally get to that passage. Turn with me to John chapter 13. Um, I, I hope this story is, is familiar to you, and if it isn't, we've got some work to do. <laughs> um, this, is, this is a passage that we would commonly hear maybe during Holy Week, um, on Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday. Um, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 17. That's a long passage, so I am going to ask you to stand if you're willing and able, um, but I won't be offended if you have to sit down because it is a long passage, and I'm going to be reading from the NIV this morning. This is John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. 
Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so now we have our kids' moment. Um, kids, there were clipboards back there and some, some crayons, but there was also this, this thing that was taped together. Um, and so I, I have to warn you, this is, a, this is a sandwich baggie, which are not very thick, and it's got some goo in there. So just be careful with this, this device here. But what you have is uh, a picture of some feet. Do you see that? There's feet on that paper behind, and then there's this clear baggie with some stuff. These feet look really dirty. And so from the lesson that we had, kids, what did Jesus do? Easton, do you know what they did? Jesus washed their feet. That's right. The disciples had uh, dirty feet. And so Jesus came in. Uh, and wash their feet. Now, something you may not know is that this was usually the job for the lowest servant, okay? It wasn't, it wasn't like the upper servants who got to wash the feet. It was like the bottom rung of servants because this was kind of not the coveted job. And so today, Jesus is teaching us that we are to serve one another, and he uses the example of washing the feet. And so what you can do with this little project is wash the feet, and it pushes all of that stuff to the side there. And there's a reminder here on this foot and then a scripture reference on that foot. And so you can, you can wash the feet of the disciples by pushing it to the side. So kids, that's kind of your activity. And um, then you can kind of just play with the glitter and move it all around as you want as we talk. So anyway. <laughs> Awesome. Glitter is, it might as well just be called dirt because yeah. <laughs> it just makes a mess everywhere. Oh, it's fun. It's a party, but it's dirty. Honestly, every time I hear this story from scripture about Jesus watching the disciples' feet, I, have, I cringe a little bit because feet are not my thing. They gross me out. Ugh. Like if, if you get your foot near me, there will likely be injury. Not because I intend to hurt you, it's just reflexes. If you get your foot near me, my arm is going to karate chop you. So, <laughs> But this, this narrative, this story, when I get over my disgust for feet, it truly does something to me and causes me to think deeply about what it means to be a Christ follower. Uh, the phrase, not so with you, um, implies not doing something, right? That first word is not. In the case of the passage in Mark um, that Trent shared where Jesus uses these words specifically, uh, the call is not to follow the example of those who lord their power over others, who use their power 
to oppress others. But the next word is what? It was instead. Being a citizen in the kingdom means we don't do certain things and don't behave in certain ways, right? But it's, it's not just a list of don'ts, don't do this, don't do that, of rules that we have to follow to be good enough for God's kingdom. When we choose not to do something or behave in a particular way, what we do instead matters immensely. It communicates what we value um, and who or what we're following, kind of what's important to us. What we do instead sends a message. And if that's the case, then what's being done in this story, what Jesus does, uh, sends what I believe is an important message, or more accurately, several important messages. Um, and the first message is this. Power is not what we think it is or what the world tells us it is. Um, if, if power were what the world tells us it is, verses 3 and 4 and 5 would read, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he sat down and ordered the disciples to serve him his meal, give him a foot massage, and tell him how wonderful he is. <laughs> For he is the king and deserves all the glory and honor due his name. But that's not what it says. We know that. We just read it. It says Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Jesus had all the authority, but this is what's next. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' dirty, stinky feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That should cause us to scratch our heads a little bit, as does a lot of the things that Jesus says and does. And yet, it, it doesn't cause us to scratch our heads, those who are in, are in here and who have read the story and who know who Jesus is, because we've heard the story a lot of times. We know that Jesus is going to do this. I'm just afraid we haven't really let it sink deeper than just being a story that we read during Holy Week. A fascinating... One, one oh, of the things, yeah, I'm going to jump in. Um, one of the things that I love is just that it's feet, right? Like, it's just not cool. And, and, it, and I think about you know, footwear today, you know, we got socks and we got shoes and our, our feet aren't clean, but they're relatively protect, protected from the elements. Now think back to Israel, right? First century Israel and more sandals than tennis yeah. shoes. Yeah. Nike wasn't a thing back then. Um, neither were cotton socks probably, or if they were, they're, they're a little different. Um, but just how feet had to just carry so much, mm -hmm. just gunk. And I think about and where I'm going with this is just how a lot of times when I'm, I'm considering how does God want me to serve, I think of a lot of really acceptable ways to do like, mm -hmm. well, this would be nice. This, I might enjoy this or this might be fun. Yeah. Um, and here's Jesus with the example yeah. of dealing with feet, feet that were in dusty Israel mm -hmm. and probably dealing with open sandals and dirt and dust and yeah, yeah. grime and all that other stuff that right. happens to feet. Um, right. I have teenage boys too. I used to be a teenage boy also um, a long time ago, um, but it just isn't a pleasant yeah. look, but it's no. a, it's a, you know, it's a reorientation for me and, and maybe my question, I don't know, I'm not to put you on the spot, but why do we always do that? Like, why do we always go to, yeah. well, I, I'd like to serve God, but 
what works for me? Mm-hmm. What what fits in my time schedule? What oh, yeah. what's convenient for me? Yeah. That's not the example that Jesus gave. Well, I think we're just so used to in our just in our culture and society to to be comfortable and to seek comfort, right? right? Yeah. Stepping out of our comfort zone, we hear that all the time, but are, do we really do it that much? And it's like, mm. Lord, please, I will wash their hands, I will wash their head, <laughs> but please not their feet. And and so it just takes an immense amount of humility to just put yeah. ourselves in that spot. And that the rabbi and the teacher would do it, right? I mean, right? The, the one with the most authority, yeah. the one with the most, the one hosting the meal, the one we would expect to be being served, right? right? right. And and to to get yeah. the glory and the honor. Yeah, a fascinating thing that um, could be a whole other sermon on its own, in my opinion, is is the contrast between Jesus's life and actions. Um, compared to the Jewish understanding of who their Messiah would be, who they thought would come and save them in the Old Testament. So we have all these prophecies and ideas of who Jesus was going to be. And a lot of those were true, but the words and the things meant something totally different when Jesus arrived on the scene, right? Here's something I read this week that... Well, and this is this is like the end of his ministry too, right? right? Like the, mm-hmm. the, the disciples already figured out or at least hinted at, you know, and then Jesus keeps telling them, you know, yes, this has been revealed to you, but keep a lid on it. But, <laughs> but yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But then they get to this point, and here's the one who kind of has said, yes, I'm the Messiah, but then he gets right. down and washes it. Like, that's just not congruent with their picture. Sorry. Yeah, no, he does something totally unexpected. Yeah. Um, I read this quote. It's a little bit long. Um, I should have put it on the screen. I didn't. I'm sorry. Uh, but just listen to this. As, as we think about the Old Testament Jewish understanding of who Jesus would be or who their Messiah would be compared to what? He does. It says this, just as Jesus has has a radically different understanding of love, he also has a radically different understanding of power and authority. The reader is told that Jesus knows that the Father had given all things into his hands. One would expect this to mean that Jesus would have dominion and glory and kingship, that all peoples, nations, and languages would serve him. We see that in Daniel chapter 7. And that's how Daniel perceived the Son of Man in a vision. However, Jesus completely contradicts this expectation, acting as the slave of the disciples by washing their feet as they recline at a table. Peter refuses to accept this act of slavery on the part of Jesus, saying, you will never wash my feet, echoing the way he rejects the prediction that Jesus is going to Jerusalem to suffer and die in Matthew chapter 16. How can the one who is equal to God, who says of himself, I am, be the one who acts as the slave of his closest followers. Um, that's from a, a commentary called Feasting on the Word um, by Randall Zachman, that particular entry. But I just thought that fascinating. Jesus is constantly turning on their heads the definitions that the Old Testament had of him. And even though there's, there's truth, there's a lot of truth in Israel's understanding of who their Savior would be, right. that, that he would have dominion and glory and kingship and so on. But Jesus, like I said, he, he changes what those things mean. Success and power and authority aren't about climbing a ladder unless that ladder is up against somebody's house cleaning out their gutter. Um, so that's one message that is being communicated here, I think, that power well, is not what we think it is. Right, and in, in the disciples' defense, not to defend them too much, but their only understanding of kingdom was the nation state, right? Mm-hmm. Was the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of Babylon, right. these other nationalistic forces. Yeah. But the kingdom that Jesus came to create is not one 
of this world, oh. you know, of, of the heart. And so, right. I mean, the prophets have been talking about take this heart of stone, make it a heart of flesh, and have been yeah. been hinting towards this newly defined kingdom. Right. Um, yeah, but, absolutely. I mean, it's just too in between the lines to really get it until Christ makes the sacrifice. Again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. It is just so different from what they were used to. Right. And even now, what Jesus does is so different from what we're used to. You right. would think we would have it figured out by now. <laughs> Um, 2,000 years. 2,000 years. We're still working on it. Another important message that that I believe is being communicated here, um, and one that might be slightly more elusive in this passage, but one that I think we've heard before is love your enemies. Love and serve your enemies. Um, The text doesn't clearly state that that's what's going on, but we see that. Um, And a lot of scholars are like, yeah, that's what's happening here, because what we do know in the text is that Judas is there. Judas is there in this meal, in this scenario. Um, and it's never suggested that Jesus didn't wash Judas's feet. Because at that time, Jesus was the only one who knew what Judas was going to do, right? He was still, for all intents and purposes, a disciple of Jesus. Because everyone thought he still was. Um, and here we see Jesus knowing full well what Judas was going to do. Bending down to wash his feet moments before they would scurry off and betray Jesus. And likewise, Peter would deny Jesus just hours after this foot washing. And that's an offense worthy of being called an enemy if we're using current day standards, right? When you're betrayed or when somebody denies you, that person's an enemy. That person is not a friend. But we have a pretty clear example of Jesus' call to love our enemies In Matthew chapter 5 is one example, the Sermon on the Mount, which is filled with a lot of these not-so-with-you implications. Uh, Matthew 5, 43 and 45 says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. I think we could, you know, replace those words, but I tell you, not-so-with-you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but not so with you. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Um, Jesus, you know, is reminding his listeners that the world are going to, the world's going to tell us one thing, but we should do something different. And, and the cool thing about Jesus, probably the best thing, there's a few things. He's kind of cool. That's why we're here. Um, He not only tells us, But he shows us. He does it, right? He leads by example. He bends down to wash our feet. He heals those who are deemed unclean and unworthy. He dies on behalf of those whom he loves, even Judas Iscariot, even Pilate, even Herod, who were the leading hands in making sure that Jesus was killed. Yeah, Judas's presence at this point is just almost, it's almost offensive, right? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. just that, that Jesus would, yeah. that he would sit there. Um, one of the questions, I, I like to ask questions of scripture, questions that have no hope of getting answered. Um, <laughs> Jesus, after he washes his feet, could Judas have still changed his mind? Yeah. Like, was this, was this an attempt to serve him one last time and say, yeah. my brother, we've walked this road. Um, you know, then you get into all sorts of weird questions, but, right. but 
what a picture of Jesus who yeah. uh, reaching out in that last moment to say, yeah. I, I know what you've decided in your heart to do, or I sense that. Um, certainly it's, it's written almost fatalistically, like Judas had decided and he was on his way. Um, if Judas hadn't, would somebody else have betrayed? I, you know, I don't know. It's all these right. questions that we can rabbit hole, you know, get down. Yep. Um, yep. But what are the implications for us? Like, that's the question that I ask of, of Jesus's actions towards mm-hmm. Judas. Like, how do we then wash the feet of our right. enemies or, or the people who betray us? Because when people betray me, that's not my first reaction. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. or betray my wife or betray my family, like people that offend me, like that is not my right. my knee-jerk reaction right, to, right. to get down and serve them. So Well, it's a lot like washing somebody's feet. That's not going to be my initial first thought <laughs> in terms of serving somebody. Yeah. Um, and that's what Jesus's message and example is all about is it's just doing things so opposite of what the world tells us we need to do. Um, and it is hard. It's, it's not easy because we're basically going against the grain of the world's piece of wood, right? Like we're just, we're, we're going, we're swimming upstream in the world's river and it's, it's not easy, but it, we have to have this kind of long term vision, um, that what we do now matters so much for the future. Right. eternal life and for salvation and, and well and not just things. ours like we go as ambassadors of, yeah. of the way of christ the, right. the way that god wants us to live to live into this life that god's called us to yeah. and, and that has implications for for their eternity not just our right know, before us. absolutely yeah. yeah there's one final message one third message um that could technically kind of sum up all of the messages here and in this story um is is that love is different than we think it is or what the world tells us it is. Similar to the first message I mentioned about power, um, and even similar to the second message about loving our enemies, uh, Jesus invites us to see and experience and express love differently in a way that that loves others regardless of what they've done, regardless of what they're going to (laughs) do, right, in the case of Judas, regardless of status, regardless of gender, regardless of race, regardless 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 like i kind of just want a t-shirt that says regardless Regardless. (laughs) there you go um if we read ahead of uh, several verses and i think i have these on the screen we'll get um to one of the most profound things that i think jesus says in this gospel verses 34 and 35 later in that chapter record jesus saying these words a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And why are these words so profound? They sound so simple. We know we're supposed to love one another, but I often read past those first few words. A new command I give you. This means something's different, right? What this means is that Jesus is offering a new and a different way to live and to love. One that is so radically and different and unusual from what had been seen or imagined. Um, and I love the, the freedom found in the way that Jesus says these words. By this, speaking of loving one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Um, and just a couple notes on, on that. Jesus says everyone. 
right? We'll know you are my disciples. Not just that other believers will know. That's important that other believers know that we're Jesus followers. But what's more important is that those who are not Jesus followers, those who don't know Jesus yet, know that we're different and do things differently. Hmm. Secondly, Jesus could have said any number of other things that classify someone as a disciple, but he didn't. Jesus didn't say, because you go to church every Sunday, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Church is important. Jesus didn't say, because you pray every morning, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Prayer is important. Jesus didn't say, because you voted for fill in the blank as the U.S. president, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Jesus said, if you love one another like I have loved you, everyone will know that you are my disciples. And how does Jesus love us? I think we know the answer to that. Yeah, thanks, Amanda. Yeah. Um, one of the things that stands out to me as, as you talk about that is um, just sometimes it's difficult to receive that love. I mean, and it takes me back to Simon Peter who <laughs> Jesus coming around the table, he's washing everybody's feet, and he gets to he's Peter, like, like what's this? No. no, my feet are too <laughs> dirty. You don't, you haven't seen my feet, Lord. Um, <laughs> yes, Peter, I have. Um, but uh, it, it's difficult to sometimes receive that love yeah, and, and yeah, to, for to sure. be served in that way. Um, but it also reveals in Peter just uh, an understand, a human understanding of what, what messiahs do, what rabbis do, what teachers do. Right. Um, and he's like, I, I ain't having any part of that. Mm-mm. And so Jesus kind of ratchets it up. Well, if I don't clean you, then you have no part with me. He's like, well, then I'm all in, you know, like slather me, you know, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, like go for it, you yeah. know. Um, go big or go home. But how is this lesson for Peter kind of the same or different from us? Like right. what does this yeah. teach us and how does it, how can this shape and form yeah. how we respond to, to God's love? Right. Uh, Peter's a funny character. He's always doing funny things. Um, you see, I, I think this is maybe a fourth message that we can take from this passage. I said there were only three, but there's probably more than, more than four. Uh, but, but Peter's refusal, I think, to have his feet washed could be perceived in several different ways, right? Uh, and I think every one of these ways has a role in his response and why he refused to have his feet washed. Do we think... Peter's shock and refusal uh, came from a place of shame and embarrassment? Maybe. Probably. Maybe his reaction was simply out of surprise, right? That Jesus, his teacher, this person that Peter should have been serving, based on cultural standards, would get down on his hands and knees to wash the dirty feet. That's also understandable. But I wonder, too, if if Peter was kind of overcome by pride, Um, Surely I don't need to be cleaned. I don't need to be washed because I'm already good. I'm already clean. Um, Any one of those responses would have been understandable from Peter's position. And and yet the message is the same. And hear this. Jesus wants us to receive the gifts and grace he offers. And we're really bad at receiving that sometimes. Last summer at senior high camp, um, some of you guys were there. Uh, the speaker talked about having a receiving problem. We have a receiving problem in the church and as Christians, right? Um, think about it. If, if we're going to serve others and show them the love of Jesus, what could our refusal to receive the love of Jesus communicate, right? 
Like, why would, why would the person we're serving want to receive what we won't receive ourselves? So don't have a receiving problem. <laughs> receive with great joy and enthusiasm, not only Christ's love for you, but Christ's love expressed through others for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been a hard practice for me, even in terms of just asking for help and being okay receiving it, right? Or somebody offering help and receiving it, not being like, no, I got it. Being like, yeah, please help me. <laughs> I need it. Um, I think we have this tendency, uh, like I said, especially as Christians maybe, to think giving is, is good and receiving is bad, right? Mm-hmm. That we should give, 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 and, and deny ourselves, Giving and denying ourselves are good things. They really are. But, but receiving is just as important because it models that we have received something from Christ and in time we become willing recipients of love and care and grace. Um, but receiving also means accepting. Receiving is different than taking, right? We don't take Christ's love and sacrifice. We receive it. I invite you now to stand and extend your hands as a posture of receiving this blessing and benediction today. May we be those who use their power to serve others, who love our enemies, even when it's hard and unnatural, who love the way that Jesus loves us, and who eagerly and humbly receive the love of Jesus with open hands. Hey, you're already doing it. Good job. Go in the love and peace of Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us and have a great week.